Well, thank you very much, Julie, and uh, I am Grant, and it's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us online this weekend. We're so glad that you're here, and I really do. I hope you have a restful holiday weekend, and I also hope that in this celebration of independence that we, as the followers of Jesus, will sincerely pray for freedom for all and a greater dependence on Jesus. You know, as you're watching uh, this weekend, you might see a few uh, heads in the room. And uh, what I want you to know about that is, is simply this. As we head towards reopening, we've gathered a limited number of people here in the room. We've got some staff, some family members, and uh, a couple of volunteers. They are helping me greatly by making the room feel a little bit more normal. And they're also helping us out because we are getting ready uh, to test some of the protocols and some of the procedures that we're going to need to have in place as we move into the next phases of regathering in in person. And I really appreciate their presence here and I look forward to the day when you can join them as well. All right. I also have to say this. For the last four months, we have been live at every single service. That meant three services every single weekend for the last four months. The reason we did that is because God spoke to me very specifically and said, I really want you to make a commitment to be live. So as a team, we made a commitment to to be live because we knew this was going to be a tough season for you. And we didn't want to just make it easier for ourselves. We actually wanted to meet you in the difficulty and the pain and, and and the discomfort of this past season. We wanted to make a commitment to meet you live in your living room, and we were committed to that end. Well, with that commitment came some weariness. So for this weekend only, I'm going to tell you something. We are not live, okay? And the reason we're not live this weekend is because we really wanted to give a gift to the production team who has been here every weekend, all three services for four months. We wanted to give them a weekend off when they could just be with their families. And I know that you as a church are going to join me in expressing such deep gratitude to this team for their hard work. I want to personally thank Gabe and Andy and Randy and Drew and Kel and Matt and both of the Scots. We have two of them and Johnny, the Hofbauer family, Danny and Carol Cronk, Andrew, Nathan, and all of the service hosts and worship team members. They have worked so hard over the past couple of months. So from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of your church, we thank you so very much. So because we're not live for this weekend only, there's also going to be no online chat with the services because we gave the online host the weekend off too. And so thank you so much for understanding that. All right. All that being said, we're starting a brand new series this weekend called This. Now that's actually the name of it. Okay. It's called This. And let me explain it to you. So I posted a video on my Facebook of my new puppy because puppies get a lot of attention and my Facebook blew up. That was kind of it. Here's a picture of her, okay? Her name is Remy. How could you say no to that face? I mean, isn't she adorable? That's incredible, right? Okay. And when I posted it, people started posting fingers. Okay, not the finger, all right, but, but like this kind of finger they posted. And then they posted this kind of finger. And I didn't know exactly what that meant. And then they posted this kind of finger, all right? And I kept thinking, why are people pointing at my puppy? Because I'm not that, I'm not that social media savvy. I'm just not. And, and then I started to figure something out, that, that this actually means, like, this is cool. I like this. This is important. Hey, look at this. Or don't miss this. Or, like, does this make sense, right? This means something is really, really important 
and I want you to notice it. All right? So this series is actually called This, because we think it's really, really important. A few months ago, I was asked a question, Grant, if you only had one message left to share, what would it be? Well, for this week, it would be this. And in this series, over July and August, a number of us are going to share with you a message that we hope is going to leave a deep, eternal impression on your heart because God told each one of us. This is what I told the preachers. I said, I want you to preach whatever God tells you to preach. Preach this. And we're hoping that when we're done, that every week you'll be able to say, okay, this. Really, really important. Let me start with these words. The spiritual heart of a person Rides a roller coaster of emotion every single day, doesn't it? I mean, the highs and lows of every single day. Last Monday for me was a roller coaster. I mean, I wake up in the morning to my gorgeous wife and my new puppy. That's a good day, right? I woke up healthy. My, my coffee was fantastic that day. I got to have breakfast, breakfast with a friend on Monday. I mean, that's a great day. I had a quiet time with Jesus in the morning. Jesus actually showed up. That's a very, very good day. And then I opened up my email box. Not a good day. I can't believe you said blank. I can't believe you didn't say blank. You're a coward. You're great. Keep preaching. You should stop preaching. And not a good day when you're reading that. And then I had to shift quickly. I met with a family on Zoom who just had a baby girl. And I had an opportunity to pray over their baby girl. And suddenly it was a good day. I had a burrito for lunch. That's a good day. And then I got the news that another friend, another person from Christ the King has stage four cancer. Not a good day. Had a meeting after that with another couple. Divorces on the table. They've taken, they're just living in the tension of this season. Not a good day. Not an hour later, I get a call from a friend. They've been praying for their drug addicted son for 20 seconds, 26 years, and he finally consented to go to treatment. It's a good day. Look at the stock market. Not a good day. Watch the news. Not a good day. Decide to go home. And I'm driving through town, and I spot one of our CTK worship members. Just playing and singing in a park. And I, I, I mean, I'm driving by and the Holy Spirit is so thick in that moment. There was no way I was going to pull over and disturb him. My heart was so joyful suddenly. It's a good day. A dinner with my wife. Good day. Spend the evening on our deck talking about my email box. Still a good day, right? Call in, crawl into bed. I pray with Laurel over our kids, over her healing, God's direction and presence. Finish the day off with Laurel and Jesus. It's a good day. But isn't it amazing how that roller coaster ride goes on and on and on? Maybe your heart feels exactly the same way. Well, this weekend, the Bible's going to tell us a true story about the roller coaster ride of four different hearts from the book of 1 Samuel. We're going Old Testament this weekend. I hope and pray that you'll actually enjoy this story. I love this story. And I hope you'll be able to visualize it with me as I just read it to you. The Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, who was the king of Israel, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul, his dad, was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other toward the south 
to their south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Okay, parents, you can take a break right now and pause the video and explain to your kids what circumcision is. And while you're doing that, now you know exactly how I feel every week when these words show up in scripture. Okay, let's keep going. Let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then, and we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there till we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. outpost. Look, said the Philippines, or said, said the Philippines, said the Philistines. There's a lot of words in this passage, all right? The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us, we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. That's a crazy story. There's actually so much in here for us, all of those of us who feel like our heart is on this constant roller coaster. Let me tell you a story of four hearts. Here's the first heart. It's the defiant heart of the Philistines. The Philistines were a thorn in the side of the nation of Israel. They were a warring pagan nation. They specialized in crafting metal iron weapons. Philistines worshipped a god by the name of Dagon. Dagon is known both as a fish god as well as the god who presided over agriculture. And they defiantly refused to bend their knee to the god of the Israelites. Now, before we cast them in this, in this role of pagan idol worshipers, I think we would be very, very wise to remember something. Their worship wasn't that different than a culture that worships pop icons or sports or the gospel of more is better or the speed of technology or the God of self. You know what the worship of the God of self sounds like? It sounds like this. I can do this on my own. I don't need any help. I'm a self-made person. I don't, I, I don't need anything or anybody to make me happy. The only thing that matters is what I like. I don't need God at all. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And it's the defiant heart. But I found something in my experience. I found that under the veneer of defiance is usually a heart that desperately wants to be loved that craves answers that will actually last and is on this constant drive for peace. Well, in this story, we find the Philistines defiantly standing on the edge of a cliff, daring any follower of the Israelite God to come and give it their best shot. And speaking from experience, I'm going to tell you, there's only one answer for the defiant heart, and that's humility. And the Philistines are about to be humbled. Here's the second heart. It's the distant heart of King Saul. Saul was made king over Israel when he was just 30 years old. He was God's chosen man to lead this incredible nation. 
But instead of following God's commands and orders, Saul started doing things on his own. He actually started functioning in multiple roles. He took on the role of a priest as well as the role of a king. He even went so far as to make sacrifices, which was absolutely wrong. That was a role for the priest and the priest alone. And because of his insolence, God removed his blessing from Saul's life. Because he was arrogant, because he was disobedient. And Saul's heart drifted. And in this story, we find him sitting under a pomegranate tree, just missing all of these incredible God moments all around him. He's consumed with his thoughts. He's angry at God for walking away when truthfully, Saul was the one who walked away. He walked away because he thought he knew better. He thought he had a better plan for his life, and now God was simply an inconvenience to him. God was simply, merely this voice that plagued his conscience with this constant call to come back home. Saul's heart actually becomes so distant just one chapter later, if you keep reading in 1 Samuel, God actually says this. He says, I'm grieved that I made Saul king because he turned away from me and has not carried out his instru- my instructions. Speaking from experience, There's only one answer for the distant heart, and that's intimacy. And God continues to call us back. All those of us that have walked a distance away, he keeps calling us back into those intimate moments like we just experienced in worship when we can come near to him because we have the promise that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Here's the third heart. It's a devoted heart. It's the heart of the armor bearer. This is where the word of God gets really fun, okay? So Jonathan, Saul's son, decides one day, I'm going to go pick a fight with the Philistines, all right? He's an Israelite. There's his mortal enemy. So he decides, I'm going to go pick a fight. So he slips out of camp, and nobody even knows what he's up to, with the exception of this guy called his armor bearer. Think about this guy's job description, okay? Follow your warrior into a battle, carrying his armor. And when the fighting starts... Give the armor away and then fall to your knees and kiss your sorry existence goodbye. I mean, what a job, right? You're carrying the protective gear that can save your life. And as soon as the fighting starts, your job is to give it away. Why would you do that? I mean, that is just a strange thought, right? I saw a strange thought the other day on a sign coming into Bellingham. It was on a sign and it asked a question. The question was this. If carrots are so good for your eyes, why do I see so many dead rabbits on the side of the road? It's just a strange thought. Strange thought. Why would you give your armor away when fighting starts? You would either have to be nuts or you must have been so devoted to that warrior that you were following, that you would trust him with your life and believe in your heart of hearts that not only was he going to fight for himself, but he was going to protect you. I can't even imagine the conversation that must have happened between these two people, right? Hey, armor bearer, let's go. Uh, Where are we going? We're going to go pick a fight. Sounds like Braveheart, right? (laughs) We're going to go pick a fight alone? Yep, okay. It's just craziness. And here's an interesting biblical truth, all right? There is a fine line between devotion and insanity. Jonathan basically tells this guy they're going to undertake the impossible. They're probably going to die, but it's going to be great. And he goes. 
He actually goes. In fact, do you see his response in the text? This is what the armor bearer says to Jonathan, who just laid out this opportunity. We're going to go and pick a fight with an entire army that are standing on the top of a cliff. This is what he says. Do all that you have in mind. His armor bearer said, go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Wow. Everyone in the world needs someone to stand with them and say, do all that you have in mind. I am with you, heart and soul. So this afternoon, it's late in the evening now, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> but late this afternoon, I was on my way here and I stopped at a coffee shop to work on this message. I positioned myself, so I was kind of facing the wall I had a lot to get done, and I'm, I'm typing away, and as I'm typing away, I feel two hands on my shoulders. No, there was no social distancing, and no, I'm not going to apologize. Before I could even turn around, I heard a voice that I recognized, and I heard a prayer come from over top of my head. And the voice prayed, God, thank you for my pastor. Bless him in everything that he does. And may he know that he's never alone and that he's loved by so many of us. the voice of my friend Fernando and I was so moved so moved by his prayer by his humility by his trust and by his love everybody needs someone to say do whatever you have in mind I'm with you heart and soul you know what his devotion and that little prayer made me want to go and pick a fight with an insidious enemy wearing the armor of God under the banner of Jesus Christ. He stood with me and suddenly I just felt bolder. Years ago I got to visit a church in Dandora, Kenya. It's a it's a slum just outside of the capital city of Nairobi and that church in Dandora is run by a spiritual giant. The kids call her Grandma Vivian. She was amazing. She had told us a story about her church. She said there was political unrest in the area over an election. Does that sound familiar? And the unrest spilled into violence and a, mar and a mob started torching buildings in the slum. And the mob was actually heading towards the church. But here's what was amazing. The community actually got there first. And they stood with Grandma Vivian and her team. And the believers were praying protection over the church and the community actually showed up and met the mob and told them, this is where the children are fed. This is where the sick are helped because there was actually a hospital there. They said, you can burn anything you want to, but you do not get to touch this church. And they didn't. It's amazing what happens when someone stands with you. I hope you hear my heart in this more than ever. We need to stand together. This church is not based on paid professional warriors. Everyone that's here, every single one of you that's watching, they call CTK home. If you name Jesus as Lord, you are a minister. 
of the gospel of Jesus. Scripture says that the job of a pastor is to equip people, the ministers, to actually do the works of God. So we're supposed to facilitate people, you, doing ministry. That's our calling. We don't always get it right, but we are your armor bearers. So Christ the King, on behalf of our team, here's what I'm going to say. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. We are with you, heart and soul. Everybody needs somebody like that. You know, there's only one cry for the devoted heart. You hear it echoed all the way through Scripture. The Apostle Paul says it so beautifully. To the devoted hearts, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Here's the last heart. It's the desperate heart of Jonathan. And I mean desperate in the most beautiful and honorable way possible. Jonathan is desperate for God's help and intervention. He knows he can accomplish nothing apart from God's help. And we find in his story this example as the blood pulses through this desperate heart and we begin to learn some lessons. Lesson number one, a desperate heart never presumes on God's plan. Essentially, people with a desperate heart for God, they know their role. God is God and they are not him. Listen to what Jonathan says to his armor bearer. Okay, come let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows and perhaps, you need to circle that and underline it, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. I mean, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. That's what continues in Scripture. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I mean, perhaps. He's acting on a perhaps. Jonathan's heart was so desperate for God's leading that he was willing to enter into a complete failure as long as ultimately it brought about the glory of God. He was just this willing tool in God's hand. And even if it meant he had to die at the hands of the Philistines, he was okay with it as long as God got glory. I mean, you hear this kind of theme all through Scripture. If you really want to live, you're going to have to die first. Jonathan is actually living that out. And the Apostle Paul, he reflects that in the verse that I read to you just a few minutes ago. For me, to live is Christ and die is gain. Our plans and our will and our calendars and our finances, they all have to die so that with Christ inside of us, we can actually truly live. Second lesson from this desperate heart. A desperate heart is willing to do the unthinkable and the illogical. Let's review Jonathan's strategy for just a second. Okay, he has one sword. The previous chapter actually tells us that because of, of a series of occurrences that happened in the world, there were only two literal swords in all of Israel. That's what the Bible says. Okay, picking a fight when you only have two swords in your whole army, it's not very strategic. Okay? So he goes to a cliff to pick a fight with an army. And his next thought is just so brilliant, it's absurd. Let's actually let them see us coming. Verse number eight. It's just like he goes, you, hey, we're coming to, to pick a fight with you. There's none of this cowardly sneaking up at night for Jonathan. No, absolutely not. He announces his coming with his armor bearer by his side even before he gets there. Verses 9 and 10 actually say that Jonathan says that after they, they see him. This is how it's going to work. He goes, if they say, we'll come to you, then it's a sign from God he's not with them. But if they say, come to us, then it's God's way of saying he's there and they're going to win. 
Let me be so bold. This is so nuts, it has to be godly. Okay? Because I want to remind you of something from the story. The Philistines are at the top of a cliff. If the Philistines say, come up to us, Jonathan and his armor bearer are going to be fighting straight uphill. Climbing a cliff with one sword and this crazy guy called an armor bearer. So what happens? The Philistines say, come up to us. We're going to teach you a lesson. And Jonathan's like, yes! Verse 12, he says, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Verse 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. Here's a question. If he's using his hands and feet to climb, where in the world is the sword? Now, it's true. It could have been in a sheath at his waist. It could have been hanging off of his back. Here's the important thing. It's not in his hand where he needs it to be. He's climbing up a cliff with no armor to an enemy that's above him with nothing but the faith that God is with him every single inch. That is radical, radical faith. I used to go ice fishing with my grandpa. And we would drive the truck right out onto the lake because the ice was thick. We had faith that the ice was going to hold us. And I was thinking about that the other day. And it occurred to me, you know, you can have little faith on thick ice and survive. You can also have thick faith on thin ice and actually drown. Like, what does that mean? It means if you want to accomplish the unthinkable for God, you better be placing your faith in a God that you can trust. To place your faith anywhere but in God, honestly, that's to take a walk on very thin ice. Now look at what happens next. Because next, you have thick faith and a thick foundation of God's promises. And here's what happens. A miracle. An absolute miracle. Here's the third lesson we need to learn about desperate hearts. Desperate hearts will go till there's a no. Jonathan just kept moving ahead with his plan. I mean, if people had been there, there wasn't anybody there because Jonathan didn't take any backup. But if there were people there, they would have told him he was crazy, but nothing was going to stop or deter Jonathan because Jonathan knew something. God had asked him to do something. Something. 1995, Laurel and I knew that God wanted us to do something. A church in Washington had contacted us about coming to Whatcom County to be their youth pastor. And the truth is, we had no reason to leave because we had it so good. In fact, there's a number of people from Emmanuel Evangelical Free Church in Steinbeck, Manitoba, who've been watching very faithfully throughout this COVID season. And, and I just want to say thank you, Emmanuel, for making our first five and a half years of ministry so unbelievably good. We had no reason to leave. But God was stirring something inside of us to do something. And the truth was, there were so many barriers God could have put up in front of us that would have completely stopped the whole process. I mean, immigration could have stopped us. Finances could have stopped us. Church philosophy and methodology could have stopped us. Personal likes and dislikes could have stopped us. But all along the way, we just kept praying, God, we believe this is right. We believe this is from you. So we're going to move out in faith until you slam a door on us. We're going to go until you hear a no. Now, I do want to say this, okay? 
<laughs> Whenever you're following Jesus, you do need to keep your ears open. <laughs> because if he does say no and you've got your ears plugged, it's not going to go well for you. I'm just going to say. If he actually says no, you should probably stop. But we made a decision. We're going to go until we hear a no. And the truth is he never closed the door. And the rest of the story is a story of God's faithfulness. So here's my question to everyone watching today. Are you actually moving on something that God has called you to do? Are you actually moving out strategically because God has placed a passionate call on your life to make a difference in your world? Are you actually moving and activating into that plan? Or are you just sitting and waiting and hoping that somebody else will come along and do it for you? Let's add one more. Lessons from the desperate heart. A desperate heart fears nothing but God himself. This story just ministers to me in so many different ways. Jonathan didn't, feel, didn't fear failure. Jonathan's whole attitude was, I'm not afraid to fail, because even if I do fail, at least I'll know I attempted something. I mean, he was willing to go beyond intellectual knowledge into this world that actually didn't seem to make sense, and he made his faith a reality. As a church, we have nothing to fear from failing. The question is this, are we willing to risk it all for the sake of one human being coming to know Jesus? Seriously, can I ask you that question? What would you be willing to risk if it meant your neighbor got to go to heaven? Truthfully. If nothing else, I love the fact that Jonathan got beyond where most people get stuck. He actually did something. He didn't just talk about it. He didn't have a deep philosophical conversation about it. He actually acted on his passion and on his purpose. What about you? I've been asking myself this question all week. Grant, where have you moved? Where have you continued to press through knowing that God is with you? You know, there's only one answer for the desperate heart, and that answer is Jesus. And my hope and prayer is that for every truly desperate heart that's watching this right now, that in this season you will press into Jesus more than you've ever pressed in ever. Because I'll tell you what, the answer to all of these questions that we're facing in our world today, ultimately that answer is Jesus. So as we get ready to wrap up, if you would do me the honor, I'd like to talk to all of the hearts that are watching right now. If you're watching and honestly, you'd say, my heart's pretty defiant right now. I feel like I'm standing up on the top of a cliff. I think I've pretty much got this figured out. I'm going to worship me. To all the defiant hearts that have made God your enemy or made other people your enemy, God would say the same thing to you that he spent decades trying to tell the Philistines. Stop fighting and come home. Stop fighting, stop being defiant, come home and experience the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus. To those of you who honestly would say, I just feel distant right now. I feel distant from God and there may be a lot of reasons for that, but 
But can we have an honest moment? Some of you have been doing this Christian thing for a really, really long time. Here's my question. How safe are you? I mean, are you comfortable in your faith? Are you dangerous in your faith? Would you die for him? Really, that's what he calls us to do. He calls us to come and die so that we can truly live. Mom and dad, would you let your child go to the other side of the world if that's what God asked? Disciples, followers of Jesus, are you willing to change everything about your life to follow God up the side of a cliff knowing that there's nothing up there but conflict? Jonathan, in his desperate heart, went up the cliff in an area about the size of our worship center in our commons, and he won a great victory in the name of God. For how many of us did we just feel different? How many of us would our lives completely change and pivot in this moment if we would stop talking about our faith and we actually lived our faith? Stop sitting. Start moving. It doesn't matter how crazy the plan may seem. If God is on your side, that victory is right there. To all of the devoted hearts that are out there, this would be my prayer for you. Don't grow weary in doing good. Keep checking in on your neighbors. Keep praying. Keep learning. Keep listening. Keep welcoming God into each and every moment into all of the desperate hearts that are out there. <laughs> I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. I'll bear your armor. So many of you have carried armor for me. What if we all did that for each other? I wonder, is, is there anything we couldn't accomplish? If God is for us, for the love of God, who or what could be against us? So for all of us, may we deeply press in. One more time, just to those that feel defiant and distant. Maybe you long to be devoted and desperate. I've been spending a lot of time in the minor prophets these days. I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's because they speak to the heart condition that we're seeing all over the world today. In Joel chapter 2, this prophet speaks to those who feel distant and those who feel defiant. And this is what he said. He says, rend your heart. In that context, when people were experiencing deep grief or deep sorrow, they would tear their clothes as a symbol of that grief and sorrow. Joel says, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Can I paraphrase that verse? to the defiant and the distant, the prophet's saying this, spare me the show. Return to God. Become devoted, become desperate. Surely God has a victory for you. Well, I would love an opportunity to pray for all the hearts. I'm sure there's more, but this beautiful story from the Old Testament certainly 
encompasses the heart of so many of us. And I would love to, to close our time together with prayer tonight. Would you join me? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would draw the defiant hearts close. And I pray that they would be humble before you. That they would lay down their weapons and come home to Jesus. God, I pray for the distant hearts and I pray that tonight they would enter into that, that beautiful place of intimacy with Jesus where we can say, God, you already know me. You know exactly where I've walked away, but in this moment right now, I'm choosing to draw near to you because you promised that you'd draw near to me. God, draw the defiant and the distant right now and pull them close. And I pray that they would stop resisting and experience you in a beautiful new way. God, I thank you for the devoted hearts that are watching right now. Lord, may they never grow weary in doing good. But may they continue to allow you to be the absolute object of their devotion. And Lord, for the desperate hearts that just so deeply want more of you, Lord, may we learn from the example of Jonathan's radical faith and the radical faith of his armor bearer. God, I pray that we could be there for each other, that we could say, go and do all that you have in mind. I am with you, heart and soul. And God, I pray that we would be the kind of people who would follow the direction of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that we would even take on the illogical, knowing that God has a victory for us. So Lord, for all of the hearts in the room and outside of the room as well, May the passion of the armor bearer in Jonathan carry us throughout this week. May we step into the battle with full confidence knowing that God is with us. And if God is for us, who could be against us? God, I pray that you would put your finger right now on 1 Samuel 14 and speak to all of the people of Christ the King and say this, this right here. <laughs> Look at this. And God, may we do more than just look. We, may we move and act in obedience and faith this week. And may you receive all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, Christ the King, thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I hope you do have an incredible weekend. And we will see you back here next weekend live. Saturday at 6, Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.15. God bless you. Have an amazing amazing weekend. God bless you guys. We'll see you again soon. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.